Alright, we are sitting down, getting ready for Avant Bard. Microphones are set. Mine is a little wobbly, but I've got something here. Megan! Um, yeah? Come quick! What? What? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm perfectly fine. We need to save Christmas. We what? Come on, I could show you. Oh, Christmas portal opened up in our apartment. Do you oh. see it? There it is, the Christmas portal. Oh, shit. That sure is a Christmas portal. Come on, we gotta jump through it. I know the perfect way to save Christmas, Megan. Okay, here we go. Welcome to What the Dickens, a sub-podcast of Avant Bard where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that inimitable Boz himself, Charles Dickens? My name is Megan Charlo and I use she, her pronouns. And my name is Matthew James Marquez and I use he, him pronouns. It's that special time of year where the capitalist Christian aspects of our society completely take over, isolating other cultures, religions, and traditions. Despite all of that, we here on Avant Bard do love the holiday season with all of its messy baggage, and included in that baggage is perhaps the second most performed and adapted work outside of William Shakespeare, Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol, written by Charles Dickens, is a novella originally published December 19, 1843, about a miserly man named Ebenezer Scrooge being visited by ghosts that change his views on charity and Christmas. There have been many adaptations of this work, and so Marquez has elected to devote one episode a year to adaptations of A Christmas Carol. Yay! Charles Dickens was a Victorian novelist known for his works Oliver Twist, Great Expectations, and A Tale of Two Cities, a book nobody has read. He is a celebrated author and a white dead man, much like William Shakespeare. Ooh. I won't get too much into his life here because I plan on making this a yearly event. So I thought I'd just give one fact about his life and then hopefully one day we'll have a comprehensive view of Charles Dickens. Lay it on me. Chucky Dick fact number one. <laughs> He was born into little means and was forced to work in a factory instead of going to school because his father was in debtor's prison. There's no way he could have been a playwright or author. Yes, I would like to note that that means Shakespeare probably had more of a formal education than Charles Dickens. 
So fuck off, Oxfordians. Yay! Yay! A Christmas miracle! In honor of the holiday season, we will be discussing the Muppets Christmas Carol. So to give some context for the Muppets, in case you didn't grow up with them, you know, pop culture isn't universal. They are a collection of puppet characters created by the Jim Henson Company throughout the life of Jim Henson himself. The puppets are meant to be more of a showcase of puppetry meant for all ages rather than just for children like the characters of Sesame Street are. Wait, really? Yes. It's not? Well, I mean, you told me about some things that they did that I couldn't see Sesame Street doing. Well, one of their first specials was called The Muppets Sex and Violence. Excuse? It was specifically targeted so that people would separate them from the Sesame Street Okay, but they said the sex word? Yes. Megan, Jim Henson... Did the Muppets fuck? Megan, they are sexual beings. I mean, yeah, they're horny as shit sometimes from what I've seen. Yes. Wow. Jim Henson really wanted to get rid of the notion that puppets were just for children, which I would like to point out is really only a thought that the United States has. Yeah. So that's what Jim Henson's main goal was with the Muppets. Now, The Muppets Christmas Carol is a 1992 film adaptation, obviously, of A Christmas Carol. Interesting note that it's The Muppets Christmas Carol, but it's A Christmas Carol. Well, because there's not going to be other Muppet Christmas Carols, so it can't be A Muppet Christmas Carol. One of them. The one. The one. The definitive Muppet Christmas Carol. The film was produced both after Jim Henson's death and a failed sale of the Muppets to the Walt Disney Company, though Disney still produced and distributed the film. The idea started when talent agent Bill Haber told Brian Henson, Jim's son, and the then-owner of the company, that the Muppets should star in adaptations. He just had the idea. He thought it would be neat. So they sold the idea to Disney, and Brian Henson directed it. The film made around $27 million in the box office, which is an unsurprising flop considering it was up against Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, the sequel to two years ago's number one movie of the year, Home Alone, and it was also up against Disney's own Aladdin. Megan's childhood fave. So this film didn't stand a chance. Also, it's kind of homework. A Christmas Carol's kind of homework. Without any further ado, and conveniently skipping Marquez's acting corner for emphasis, let's get started. So we start off with some credits, and one of the first things we see is that this film is dedicated to Jim Henson and Richard Hunt. Both dead. Immediate first question on my first real viewing of this film. Do you think Jim Henson would have wanted this? This is a tough question to answer, Megan. It's hard to say, but I would hazard to say no. Just because at the end of his life, Jim Henson was desperately trying to do other things with puppetry in it, like the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, and those were both financial failures in the late 80s. 
And so he wanted to move away from the Muppets, which is why he was going to sell them to Disney. So I think that ultimately this is not the direction that Jim wanted the company to go in. Much like Walt Disney himself, once Jim Henson died, nobody really knew what to do with his creations. And so the people who came after him just kind of did what they thought was fun. Which isn't bad, it's just not in the spirit of Jim. I'm not a Jim Henson expert, I just know more than your average Fozzie Bear. Speaking of Fozzie, one of the first character credits we get is Fozzie Wig, which I thought was funny because that's not the guy's name in yeah. the book. Yeah, it's Fezzie Wig. Fozzie Wig, I like that. Yeah, it's a nice... I, I hope they do more of those. They don't really. Oh. So I'm just going to come right out and say this. I never watched The Muppets. Mm -hmm. The only interaction with The Muppets that I've ever really had was the Muppet 3D ride at Disney World. And I've never read A Christmas Carol. My only interaction with it, really, was a production that we saw by a community group in college. Megan, I love this. I feel like this is like a reverse Blackadder. Exactly. So I have some questions from the opening credits. Oh, I'll be happy to answer your Muppet questions. Okay. First, the pumpkins cry, and they say that they're being stolen. Yeah. What? Eh, some Muppets are just inanimate objects given life. Two, this guy is selling Christmas turkeys, which we all know are for eating, and yet they have names and personality. Yeah, so one of the things about the Muppets is that they are animals, but they don't shy away from the fact that animals get eaten by humans. So, like, Miss Piggy's fair game? They've brought it up before on the show. What? The Muppet movie's main plot involves... Kermit being asked to be the spokesperson for a fast food chain that sells frog legs. What? It's just part of the Muppet thing. It's just something you're going to have to accept, Megan. Okay. So, we see these things as we're traveling through, I presume, Victorian London, but Muppets. And we come across Gonzo the Great and Rizzo the Rat, two beloved Muppets of one Matthew James Marquez. I love Gonzo. Mm -hmm. He's a blue weirdo who likes to do weird avant-garde acts. And Rizzo is just kind of like from New Jersey. We are introduced to them, and Gonzo welcomes the audience and presents himself as Charles Dickens which I think is a very good adaptational choice because it preserves parts of the prose while also providing basically a Greek chorus to comment on the events. Why doesn't Rizzo want to play along? Well, he's just Megan when Marquez wants to do a bit about Vincent Price coming over. Shit, okay, I love this rat. It's a good rat. It's a pretty good rat. 
Gonzo as Charles Dickens begins our tale. The Marleys are dead to begin with, or like Marley was dead to begin with, or whatever it is in the original text, too. That's a super metal way to begin a story. It's great. So A Christmas Carol is a ghost story. It's supposed to be a spooky story. So this is kind of also kind of spoopoween. This is the scary ghost story. The only one I can think of from the Christmas song. Well, it is a tradition in England to tell ghost stories near Christmas. Well, fuck America then. Yeah. I would like to quote a line that I found from the original novella that pertains very well to avant-garde. Mm-hmm. So after the narrator in A Christmas Carol mentions that the Marleys were dead and that this is very important to the story to know that they are dead, he then continues by saying, If we were not perfectly convinced that Hamlet's father died before the play began, there'd be nothing more remarkable in his taking a stroll at night in an easterly wind upon his own ramparts than there would be in any other middle-aged gentleman rashly turning out after dark in a breezy spot, say St. Paul's Churchyard, for instance, literally to astonish his son's weak mind. I love that because it implies that, like, if you didn't know that Hamlet's dad were dead, he'd just be an old guy scaring his son. You need to establish that they're dead or else them turning up isn't scary. I gotta say, I expected this to be a fun movie. I did not expect the framing and lighting and camera angles and just downright cold and awesome atmosphere that they did for Ebenezer Scrooge's intro, where it's just like, ah, oh, ha, ha, preparing for Christmas, Muppets. Ha, ha, ooh, ooh, my turkey's name is Martin. I'm going to eat him. Ha, 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 ha. Scrooge. Ooh. A chill. Yeah. Like, what? It's pretty great. I absolutely love it. And this is where Megan also found out that it's a musical. It's a musical? Yep. There are not that many songs in it. More than the novella. Correct. (laughs) Well, the novella has a lot of singing. Really? But, I mean, it's people just... Oh, being like, God rest you, merry gentlemen, like, outside his door or something? Yes, and also... Them just saying, like, and these people were singing a carol. Okay. I mean, I give them the allowance of making this a musical then. Yeah, and there's also the thing that the Muppets are a very musical pop culture entity. The Muppets really like the word skin flint. Skin flint. They say it at least twice in the song. There's a lot of different words that you could use, like miser. Yeah. Skin flint is a good word. Skin flint's really visceral. I also love that they don't show his face as he's walking down the street. Gonzo later on says a line that's directly from the story where he says he was as solitary as an oyster. People on the street do not talk to Scrooge. So this whole song is undeserved. No, Megan... Mm. Megan, are you implying that Scrooge is not a bad man? I'm just saying that I would be really pissed off, too, if people just crowded around my door going, Hey, look, it's Megan. I fucking hate her guts. 
She's so bad and stupid. Wow, she's ugly. I hate her. I would also be a pretty mad person. Megan, I think that Scrooge has done things to warrant the people singing. How many times, though? Well, you do (laughs) see him deny church carolers holding out a bucket for charity. At the end of the song, Scrooge turns around and we see it's our old friend, Michael Caine. So I want to mention the humbug thing. Scrooge says, bah humbug, like three times in the novella. Adaptations love to crank that number up to like 57. Throw a humbug in there. Humbug. And so when he looks at the people who were singing at him, he just goes, bah, humbug. And I'm like, he doesn't say it that often. It's just something that I think that it is such a strange saying that was more prevalent during the time that since it has lost cultural relevance is now just directly associated with this man. It would be like if there was a work in which somebody said, you asshole, but then asshole just stopped being a swear And then a hundred years later, they just associate it with this one dude. (laughs) It'd be so fucking weird if this happened. Yeah. Humbug. So we then meet Scrooge's clerk, Bob Cratchit. Kermit the Frog. For some reason, (laughs) Megan could not get over the concept of Kermit talking. He has a silly voice. He's like, it's Christmas. (laughs) You're doing a pretty fair Kermit impression. Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> the thing the thing about this Kermit. Could I have a day? <laughs> it took me like two scenes to stop laughing every time he talked. So the fun thing is, this Kermit is Steve Whitmire. And this is his basically first big outing as the new voice of Kermit the Frog, as up until this point, it was Jim Henson who voiced Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog is Jim Henson. There's a lot of debate amongst the Muppet fandom Mm -hmm. that when a person who originated the Muppet dies, the the Muppet Muppet should die? No, the Muppet should be retired. Because it's just they create the character off of themselves. It is part of them. And if they die, you're just doing an impression of a dead person. It's, it's okay to do an impression of... It's a caricature, of, and it's not it's the not same. The, it's not the real person. There's only been two Kermits since Jim Henson's death, and they haven't really gotten the fact that Jim Henson's voice, if you listen to him speak, is just Kermit, but different. Mm-hmm. His Kermit voice is just him a little bit more nasally. He's as soft-spoken as Jim Henson is. And here we learn Scrooge is a moneylender slash mortgage person, which means he's the scum of the earth. Yeah, okay, he's bad. Like, sing bad things about him, but just maybe don't do it outside of his door. Yeah. We see he doesn't treat his employees well. Kermit asks for some coal for the fire, and Scrooge denies him. But then we meet Scrooge's nephew, 
Fred. Okay, question about the Muppets. Why is Fred a human? Because Scrooge is a human. So lineage matters of Muppet to human? Yes. I mean, I guess that is better? Yes. Muppets are weird. I have another question. Yeah. Why does Scrooge hate Christmas so much? Megan, it's just kind of the thing that you have to accept. It's like the given circumstances of the story. Okay. He doesn't like people like spending money on frivolities, for instance. Christmas is all about that. Yes. It's about spending money on things that you don't need. That's true. So two things that are super important. Just You just got to know it if you're starting out Christmas Carol. Marley's dead. Scrooge hates Christmas. The end. You're set. I want to state this, and I had this in a later note, but I'm going to bring it up now. Personally, I think that A Christmas Carol is not really about Scrooge hating Christmas Mm -hmm. or about really Christmas in general. It's merely a important theme in order to discuss class disparity. And how the upper class views the lower class. And if anyone from the lower class is spending money, that means that they're not working their hardest to be as rich as possible. So it's like Scrooge hates poor people because poor people should be trying to get rich. Okay. I hate Scrooge. Yeah. This is decided now. So this could have taken place on any day. It just happens to be on Christmas because... Christmas is a, a good, better time to do it. It's a good vehicle for which to tell this story because it is a time of giving. It is a time of goodwill towards men. So what better place to put your shitty capitalist than on a holiday in which you are supposed to celebrate giving? <laughs> I have another special note. Yes. All the rats that work for Scrooge are left-handed. Yeah. They just, they're left-handed. Just thought you should know it. Megan, I've never paid attention to this. Why did you pay attention to this? Because I'm right-handed. I mean, I'm left-handed. I just don't notice people's handage that often. I I don't know. I guess it just stuck out to me because it's not what you normally see in a room full of people writing. You're correct. You usually don't see a lot of left-handed people writing. That is correct. Fred invites Scrooge to his Christmas party. Scrooge is like, I don't know why you spend money on that. It's useless. Mm -hmm. And then Fred mentions, like, my wife and I would love to have you. I know that you don't like it. Fred is being a good left-winged queer person inviting their right-winged relative to their house when you don't need to. You can cut toxic people out of your life. But Scrooge responds to him mentioning his wife by saying, I don't understand why you got married. And Fred responds with, I fell in love. Scrooge is like, that's even more stupid than Christmas. Yeah. So, I mean, like, he also hates love, Megan. He just hates humanity and joy. Here's the thing. He's a caricature. What? I thought this was a documentary. Muppets (laughs) and all. So we're talking about how Fred's a pretty good person. Uh, Let me just say, though. Fred's a shitty person. Wait, why? Okay, so these people come to be like, me, 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 me. I mean, to be- It's Beaker. Yeah, it's Beaker. I love Beaker. Okay. I just need to tell the audience that Megan doesn't watch the Muppets, doesn't know the Muppets, 
But yet, Beaker is one of her favorite Muppets. Because so. he's great. I don't need to know anything about him. He's he, just, he speaks his mind clearly. He's just Bunsen Honeydews. That's that one's name. I was like, there's the green one and Beaker. Yeah. He's just his lab assistant. But here's the thing. Megan just lights up like a Christmas tree when Beaker walks into the room and does his signature. Me, 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 me. So, Beaker and Benson come in, and they're looking for donations. And Fred knows Scrooge, knows he hates donating money to the poor, knows that this will not go well for these people. And instead of saying, no, he's not going to do it, here's some money, move on, he goes, yeah, let me bring you to Scrooge. Let me put you into his office and close the door behind you. What the hell, Fred? I would like to stay in the novella. They show up after Fred leaves. Why couldn't that have happened in this? No idea. So Scrooge doesn't give them any money. I do love the line. It's in every adaptation that still uses the original text. Scrooge asks, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses for the poor to go to? Mm-hmm. Why are you raising charity? We have things. My taxes go to fund prisons. That's where the poor should go. Honestly, the more that you think about Christmas Carol and the more that you actually dissect the text, the more that you're like, these people exist. Yeah. They're still around. Yeah. Great. It's a novella written in the early 1800s. Cool. Great. Capitalism has only grown since then. Anyway, the two people from charity are always state the poor would rather die than go to those institutions and scrooge always has to say then they had best do it and decrease the surplus population it's always a good like just disgusting line fuck people who think like this it's more people than you think you probably if you're listening to this have family members who think like this and charles dickens may be an old dead white dude but he cared strongly about the working class and how much they just get ground into the machine that is capitalism. And London was terrible about this during his time. And because he was an old white man, but he was a poor man. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt this important discussion for another important fact. Yes. Kermit is left-handed. I now think all Muppets are left-handed. You know what? I've never noticed this, but... I I think that it's just all Muppets are left-handed. I think it's just in the design. Okay. I would also like to state, just for plot's sake, that the Muppet known as Bean Bunny, who is a small little bunny, does carol Good King Wenceslas outside of Scrooge's door... And Scrooge takes a wreath that Fred had given him and just kind of chucks it at him. I never would have guessed the name of that Muppet. He doesn't deserve this. He was a later creation of Jim Henson. He tried to put him in a lot of things. He never really stuck. He just liked him. Yeah. He's just like, I just made this little bunny dude. I like him. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. I mean, I like being bunny. Megan, he's also prominent in the Muppet 3D ride at Disney. That's true. He is. That's why I like him. Because they were pushing for him. That makes so much sense. And they were pushing for him in the 90s. So everyone in Scrooge's office, including Kermit, they're all acting like they don't know Scrooge that well. They're all like, oh, so Christmas, right? 
they seem nervous, but like they still seem surprised that Scrooge is like, no, you should work Christmas. And they're like, but it's Christmas. Are they new? I totally understand that, Megan. I think it's just because we're the audience and we don't know that he's even that miserly. We need another example. So they got to show us. I like it because I like scenes in which employees have to go to their bosses and be like, I'm scared to ask this And they question. go, no. And then they go, but please. And then they go, fine. Yep. And so Scrooge does give them Christmas off. And then they shutter the clerk's office for the night. And Kermit starts singing a song about how there's only one more sleep till Christmas. This song blows chunks. Megan, I think this song is bad. It's so boring. It does nothing. I learn nothing. It gives me nothing. I'm bored. And I can't even enjoy how silly Kermit's voice is because it's not as silly when he sings. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at the Penguin's sledding party. And it's just... Why? And we just get shown that for like four minutes. It's... Padding. Yeah, it's just there to up the runtime. It mm. Yes, I completely understand. It's something about this movie that I dislike, that there are a lot of bits that are probably only there to increase the runtime to an hour and a half, so that could be released in theaters. Ugh. It was originally designed as a TV movie, and Disney said, we'll buy it if you make it a theatrical feature. Great. So let's forget about that song. We follow Scrooge back to his house. And I like that Gonzo starts whispering like, oh, it's only Scrooge here so I can whisper. And Rizzo goes, why are you whispering? It's for dramatic emphasis. And I think that you can use clips from this movie to teach children point of view in fiction. Because I think that it does a lot of establishing Gonzo as the narrator and he is along for the ride as well. It's a weird metafiction that this movie purports. I think it's just interesting. And since it's a kid's movie, it does more than just have a narrator. It comments on it. Scrooge tries to go to his house and the door knocker turns into an old man's head. And I didn't know that that was going to happen because that's never happened in the one stage production I saw. Yeah. And I was like, old man. It's supposed to like scare you. Like it's the first supernatural thing to happen. Scrooge goes in and Gonzo and Rizzo are still outside. And Gonzo's saying what happened. And Rizzo's like, wait, how do you know this? He's in there. We can't see him. And Gonzo's like, well, as I said before, I'm omniscient. Gonzo didn't say that before. Megan, he should have told me he was unto a god. Megan, he said earlier that he does know the story of a Christmas carol like the back of his hand. Then stick to that. Don't say you're omniscient. That's some bullshit. Well, he knows what's going to happen in a Christmas carol. There's a difference between knowing a story and being omniscient. Humbug. Okay, I will say that their use of words is a little much. He's not omniscient, but he is all-knowing about this story i think the joke is funny that after he says i'm omniscient he says and then scrooge turned on his lights and then the lights go on and rizzo does say 
Well, look at you, Mr. Hoity-toity godlike smarty pants. And I like that. And so we follow Scrooge around the house as he's, like, looking for something spoopy. There's, like, a hand cam vibe to this. And now I want, like, a Blair Witch Project version of A Christmas Carol. That would be interesting. I would be interested in seeing that. There are ghosts. Yeah. It's not witches, but, you know. And so Scrooge sits down with a meal in front of his fireplace. He's just kind of vibing after a long day. And then two ghosts show up in chains. Ooh, it's Jacob. Jacob and Robert Marley. Robert's not a person. That much I know from the Christmas Carol. So they knew that they wanted Statler and Waldorf, who are the two men in the Muppet show who sit up in the box and heckle the Muppets. And in order to make it so that it's both of them, they gave the second one the name Robert. And Megan, what is a shortened version of Robert? Bob Marley! The writers thought that Jim would have liked that. You know what? I like it more now, too. (laughs) It's just like a cute little joke. (laughs) That you wouldn't really know unless you paid attention. They talk to Scrooge, and then they sing at Scrooge, and it's a whole thing. An undisputed bop. This song, I'm back in. I'm back in. Mm. I'm okay again with this being a musical. Yep. And at the end of the song, they're like, oh, we, we have all, we're chained. We have all these changed chains because we were terrible to people. And these chains are all our misdeeds. And you you have chains. And then the chains are like wrapped around their necks and pulling them back and it's fucked yeah megan that's all chucky dick hey you want to know what happens to capitalists when they die you carry around all the fucking money that you left behind and you had no use for because you just wanted to obtain more and more and you just have to carry it around with you for the rest of eternity but literally just specifically that the chains are wrapped around their neck scares me Yeah, it's spoopy. I get that they're ghosts, but like, scary. I really need to talk about the cut lines from the soundtrack version of this song. Because they are from the original text. And I don't like that they were cut. In the soundtrack version, I believe Statler says, It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad amongst his fellow men. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death, to witness what it cannot share, but might have shared and turned to happiness. And that's just like some Chucky Dick heavy shit. Why wouldn't they keep that? That's like the purpose of the song. Yes, it lays out why they're here. And I know that they say in the song like you're doomed for all time your future is a horror story written by your crime your chains are forged by what you say and do but this just says it instead of singing it and i think that would just make it clear but the song rocks they tell him you're gonna be visited by three ghosts dude besides us I always love how Scrooge reacts to being told that there are three ghosts, which is A, first by saying, I'd rather not, (laughs) which is always funny to me. And then he also always says, can I have them all at once and be done with it? I just love the little humor that A Christmas Carol has when it does things like that. 
so after that scene ends, the ghosts leave. Scrooge is just alone again in his chambers. And we go outside and we see Gonzo and Rizzo. And Rizzo's like, wow, that was scary. And Gonzo says, nah, it's culture. One, those are not mutually exclusive. Two, immediately makes me say, hey, can we take a moment to talk about the messed up shit that things get away with for being quote unquote culture that's why i love the line because i firmly believe that oh they did it on purpose yeah i love that they have that line and you are correct because it is always like you can't say shit in a school play but you are allowed to perform romeo and juliet which has a whole bunch of dirty stuff in it it gets forgiven because it's william shakespeare And it's astounding how that works. Like, you can do things as long as it has a history of being academic. You can't say tough titty in your high school's version of Little Shop of Horrors, Megan, but you can watch Mel Gibson hump his mother figure in Hamlet. I mean, it's fucked up. Moving on. We meet the ghost of Christmas past. That is not a child. Nope. It's a terrifying-looking, childlike figure with ethereal, wispy clothes. So in the original, it is a candle-like spirit that shifts constantly how many, like, legs and arms and what its head looks like. What? That's awesome! It's freaky as hell. It's supposed to be just, like, this candle spirit with, like, a flame for a head. That's amazing! And, like, the flame for the head, like, shifts to like different people as it talks to scrooge i don't think i've ever heard of an adaptation doing that it would be difficult to pull off yes i I think that nowadays you can definitely do it it. with like a high budget cgi come on at this point i would like to point out that originally the three spirits were originally supposed to be recognizable muppets as well Skeeter was supposed to be the ghost of Christmas past. Don't know who that is. That's fine. Okay. Miss Piggy was supposed to be the ghost of Christmas present. And Gonzo was supposed to be the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Who would be Charles Dickens? Gonzo as the (laughs) devilman? Yeah, Megan, I don't know. The reason that they changed it was they wanted to make a new Muppets to more accurately portray the text. And B, they had the idea of making Gonzo Charles Dickens. I'm really glad that they made new Muppets because I think it would have taken away from their impact if they were people that you knew. I agree. So in order to get the wispy, ethereal look of this puppet, they tried submerging it in baby oil at first, and that was going to damage the Muppet. And so then they just submerged it in water. But like that is some primo practical effects there. It looks so freaky. It's incredible, and I hate it. That's why I love it. But I will also say that the effect of Michael Caine starting to fly is really unsettling and actually bothers me more than this child. I didn't notice it. I'm going to have to rewatch it. Obviously, this is the ghost of Christmas past, so we go to the past with Rizzo and Gonzo in tow. It's little Harry. It's little Jim Bob. It's little Bartholomew. Yeah, so we go to where Scrooge was raised as a child. I always love when we see Scrooge get excited about his past. 
I am mad at this version because they don't do what I always love, which is Scrooge usually at this point just starts to cry a little because he's just like, it's my past. And the ghost of Christmas past is like, what's that on your nose? What's that on your cheek? And he always has to be like, oh, it's a pimple. I Don't look at me. And I just, Tears look like other things. Yeah. I like that because it is like the ghost of Christmas past being like, hey, asshole, I got you. I'm making you feel sentiment, motherfucker. And then we cut to Scrooge's childhood classroom. There's a bust of William Shakespeare. Yeah. It's our boy. Our boy Shakes. He loses his nose at one point. Yep. That's it. That's what Shakespeare does in this. We see Scrooge looking at himself as a young boy, and he doesn't get to go home for Christmas. But he's not sad about it. He's like, yeah, I get to study. Cool. Well, he's more mad about it. He's like, ah, Christmas is bad. It's a time to study. That's the thing, though. This is where, like, I wanted to know why Scrooge doesn't like Christmas, because it seems like even from his childhood, he just didn't like it. And I don't think this movie seems like he wanted to go home for Christmas. Like, it seems like he's just like, nah, I personally don't care. And I'm going to use this time to study and get ahead and blah de blah de blah Thank you, Megan. Thank you. You are correct. This is what I dislike about this movie. Humbug. So I don't think at this point, Scrooge should hate Christmas. <laughs> no, like he's a kid. Yeah. What kid hates Christmas that much? Yes. Unless they have a legitimate reason, which we're not given. So in the novella, the reason why Scrooge doesn't go home is because his dad doesn't want to pay for him to come home. And I think that him being lonely is important. We do see in the film that he is lonely and Gonzo and Rizzo commiserate with that. Like, it is sad being lonely. The thing is, he's by himself. He's alone. But I don't think they show us any emotion of being lonely. We're just told it. In the novella, we see a scene of him being alone and Scrooge comments on it like, I was alone and all I had were the stories that I read as a kid to keep me company. And I think that that's very sad. And then we cut forward to a later time when he's still in this classroom and the classroom is older and things are starting to fall apart. And we see that in the novella, his sister comes to see him, completely cut from the Muppet version. And his sister says, father is completely different. He treated me so nicely that I asked him if you could come home. And he said, yes, you're coming home for Christmas. And Scrooge lights up. He loves his sister. His sister is so nice. She came and got him and... In the novella, the spirit mentions, your sister had a large heart, and she's dead. And Scrooge is sad about this, like, yeah, she was my sister, she was great. And the spirit mentions, she had children. He says, a child. My nephew Fred. And I just think that bringing it back to family, and that connection is really vital, and the Muppet Christmas Carol does not go there they put in all this music for padding why didn't they just keep that scene i think it's just because it's too sad maybe i don't know i would also like to point out a different moment from the novella which is 
after seeing his younger self lonely in the novella, the spirit asks him, what are you thinking about right now? Scrooge says, there was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should have liked to given him something. That's all. And I think that that's vital. Again, bringing it back to individual people that you can help. And him learning slowly. It's not about loving Christmas, which I think is what this movie's main goal is. And I think, no, it's more get Scrooge to care about people who have less means than him. Yeah. Think outside of yourself for once, old man. Yep. So we move ahead to another part in his past where he is at Fozzywig's party. Yes. He's been working for Fozzywig's Rubber Chicken Factory because Fozzie Bear is an old-timey comedian who likes rubber chickens and stuff. So they oh, okay. change that to that. So we walk in. One of the first things we see is Gonzo checking out a chicken. <laughs> Gonzo has a chicken love named Camilla. He's checking her out in this, and okay, it feels weird to me because I don't know the difference in the Muppet world between a Muppet Muppet and... An animal Muppet? An animal Muppet. Yeah, because some of them speak like you and me, and some of them just say animal sounds. Yes, and some are fucking grapes. I don't get it. Another note, the old guys are young guys. The Marleys, they're young men. Yep. And like I said, so singing grapes. There's a Muppet that's a singing grape, and they go, oh, I don't eat singing grapes. So you're telling me that some Muppets would eat grapes that have the intelligence and ability to sing? Megan, I feel like you're getting really wrapped up in the Muppet of it all. Yeah! They're Muppets, and they decided to do this adaptation, so, uh, yeah. (laughs) I'm operating from... I watched it as a kid. Yeah, so you're like, of course some people eat things that can sing and... As a kid, you're just (sighs) more predisposed to just accept things as they are and not question things. Yeah, I'd eat Martin. Megan, Megan, I completely... I might want to have sex with his sister Camilla. What? Oh, the Muppets. Yeah, so they're playing the hits, in my opinion. And by the hits, I mean... The Muppets, they couldn't fit into roles outside of this party. You get Rolf at the piano. You get Swedish Chef serving those grapes. And you get Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem with Animal, another Megan favorite, because Animal plays the drums and Megan plays the drums. You know, it's just kind of padding again. It's a lot of, like, jokes about the Muppets, and they make jokes, and it doesn't matter. But we do get to see a younger version of Scrooge meet his future love and they have absolutely zero chemistry and they don't really say like anything to each other. I will make sure to point out to you, she is a human. In case you are wondering, she's not a chicken or some singing grapes. She's a human. Yes. Because Muppets can fall in love with anything, but humans only love humans. Yeah. Don't know what that's supposed to say about the world. There are also human Muppets. Will a human fall in love with a human Muppet? I, no, probably I, not. I don't know, Megan. Just saying. Okay. Again, to connect it to the novella, when Scrooge in the novella sees how kind of a person Fezziwig is for hosting the party, much like before with the child, the spirit asks him, what are you thinking of right now? And he says, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. He sees his boss 
treating him right. And he starts thinking about how he doesn't treat his employee right. The spirit knows what it's doing. Yeah, it's slowly wriggling its way into Scrooge's heart. And I think that's great. And then the ghost of Christmas past goes, but there's one more Christmas Eve with her. And he goes, no, no. don't show me that Christmas. Don't show me that Christmas. And the spirit's like, well, too bad, bitch. And then it shows him and Belle. But okay, here's the thing. They talk about like past Christmases together. So there's been more than just those two Christmases. Megan, excuse you. Megan, it is the way that the spirit says it. It's not that you only had one other Christmas. It's there is another Christmas. He's a big capitalist and she's like, hey, I hate this. And so you said we'd get married. And he's like, yeah, after this thing. She's like, that's what you said last time. I'm outie. I would like to mention this actor is very bad who plays younger Scrooge. And he says, I love you with the emotion of a iceberg. I love you. And she says, goodbye. And I go, you guys should have talked about this. Before. Ever. Ever. You should have talked. There's no communication in this relationship. But Michael Caine starts crying. And I'm like, no, old man, don't cry. And also Rizzo starts to cry, but the old man care. is the old man is sadder. Yes. So there is a whole cut song on the DVD for this where Belle sings about the love is gone. The love and it's so bad, and I'm so glad that they cut it because this movie has a lot of padding. And if they added that additional song, I would have torn my hair out. But they, instead they went, oh wait, it's long enough. Quick, cut the bell song. Yep. And I think that they should have added more dialogue between Scrooge and Bell here. Maybe establish your relationship more. That's the thing. They're like, this affected him greatly. And I'm like, we saw them say like two words to each other in their entire relationship. The only reason I'm sad is because Michael Caine's a good actor. Yep. One more thing from their novella, Megan. A cut scene in the past. We get to see Belle again. The Ghost of Christmas Past shows Scrooge what Belle ended up like. And at first, he thinks, oh no, she's all alone. But then an even worse thing happens. Her husband comes home, and her children come home. And it turns out, she was fine without him. She lived a happy life. She was probably far happier than she would have been with him. And her husband just goes, oh, I saw an old friend of yours the other day. It was Ebenezer Scrooge. And she just goes like, that was so long ago. I don't even remember. And it's just so cruel. I think it's much crueler to end on like, and she was happy. She doesn't even think of you. You wasted this entire opportunity to be happy. Bing bong, bing bong. Oh, are we going to the present now, Megan? Yeah, it's time for Ghost of Christmas present. He's so big. Come in and know me better, man. He's so big. I love him. Yeah, he's got like a cornucopia and a bunch of presents. I love it. It's one of the visuals I really love from A Christmas Carol is that the present is all like plenty He's kind of like what Santa Claus would evolve into in like the 1900s, but this is the 1800s because Santa Claus 
wasn't obviously what he was because he was invented by capitalism later on. But this is more like a pagan, happy, jolly man. He is the personification of live in the moment. Yes. And I really appreciate, or I just like, that Scrooge was pretty closed off to the Ghost of Christmas Past. And he was just like, you're showing me things I don't want to see. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with this. And then this big jolly guy comes in and Scrooge is like, oh, hey, what's up? And the guy's like, what's up? And Scrooge just talks to him like openly and honestly, just like, well, this thing's kind of bothering me. You know, kind of thinking this, feeling this way, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And he makes jokes. Scrooge makes jokes to the Ghost of Christmas present. It's just a good relationship that they have, good chemistry that they have. He's learned a little bit, and now he's ready to talk to these spirits. So the spirit takes him out into Christmas Day, and they sing another song. This song, this song. This song has plagued Megan for the past several days, ever since we watched it. Feels like Christmas. It feels like Christmas. Wherever you find love. It feels like Christmas. All I want to do is sing it right now. That's it. Well, okay, Megan. So this Christmas song, I'm way more okay with. This song actually has a point, which is to show Scrooge the good things about Christmas. And he's like, Christmas dumb, Christmas dumb. Ooh, this is pretty fun. Ooh, I'm gonna do a little dancey dance. And I love this song. I think it's good. But I think this is the main case I have for this being not a great adaptation because it just kind of asks him to love Christmas and not think about others. Think about others and how capitalism ruins things, which in the novella, when he shows him Christmas Day, Scrooge has a lot of comments like the ghost is going around and like sprinkling like flavors on everything on poor people's food. And Scrooge says, what is that spice? And he says, it's my own. Does everyone get it on Christmas? And he says, yes, but a poor person gets it most. Scrooge asks, why? Because it needs it most. I just like that. And I get them not putting it in because they meant for it to be for kids. At the same time, the Muppets were never intended to be for children. Yeah. So you can go harder. This movie was purchased and distributed by Disney, so it can't possibly go as hard as it wants on capitalism. So this is like why you were saying at the beginning that you don't think Jim Henson would have been happy about this. No, it kiddifies things. It takes the bite out of it. The Christmas Carol's very vicious, and this isn't. It kind of says, like, Christmas, right? Christmas. Whereas, again, in the novella, the Ghost of Christmas Present takes him to, like, coal miners uh, who are working on Christmas, but they still have the spirit of Christmas. Or he takes Scrooge to a lighthouse where the lone lighthouse person is still celebrating. And how even if you go out, that people will find the light in the darkness. And that just is always kind of cut. And instead, it's like, let's go to Bob Cratchit's family in order to have pity on the sad, poor people. Well, but first we got to go to Fred's house because we have to feel bad for poor, rich Mr. Scrooge. We go there. They're playing yes or no. 
which is kind of like 20 questions, but with zero stakes because there isn't a limit on guessing. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, so can this just go on for like a night, an it, entire night? Yeah, that's what I don't like about this. It's like, is it, this is an old Christmas game and um, it sucks. Put stakes in it. Fred has thought of an animal to do for yes or no. And people are asking questions. Do people like it? No. Is it terrible? Yes. It's in London? Yes. And Scrooge starts to, like, get into it. I do like at one point, Fred's wife says, Is it a cat? After Scrooge has guessed, Is it a cat? And Michael Caine just goes, I said it first. But he says it like he's a little kid. And no, I, do, I said it. I do like that. I do like that he's, like, he's becoming a kid. Like, he's enjoying things. But then it turns out that this terrible creature that nobody likes. Who lives in London. Is Ebenezer Scrooge. Which is a good bit, Fred. I think it's funny. And I feel like we're supposed to feel bad for Scrooge, but I feel no sympathy for him right now. Because he... I'm like, yeah, you've acted like shit to them. Yeah. Of course they don't like you. He was a dick to Fred. I do like it because I think in the moment... In addition to feeling bad, which I don't, you are supposed to feel like he's realizing. Well, because it's, a, like you said before, it's his only family who's like, guess who's an animal who everyone hates? My uncle. Yep. So then we travel to the Cratchit's house to feel pity for poor people. And we see Miss Piggy is Mrs. Cratchit, which I think is kind of a disservice to the character of Miss Piggy. Question. This Tiny Tim wannabe Kermit Muppet. Yes. Did he exist before? Okay. So, yes, Megan. The Tiny Tim puppet is supposed to be Robin, who is Kermit's nephew. That's weak. I'm just going to say, I feel like that's weak. And also, he's got, like, another son who's a frog we've never met. And Miss Piggy's got two daughters who are Muppets that don't really exist. I mean, I think this is the weakest part of the movie because it's just kind of like bits. And then, oh, no, Tiny Tim's got standard Victorian illness disease. And he's going to die because he's so weak and sad. I don't like this even in the novella because I think it's just so easy to be like this poor child <laughs> like i get it because obviously at the time i don't think that victorians were thinking about the social stratification and how it affects people who don't have the means for medical care yeah but nowadays it is kind of weak weak <laughs> there's a terrible song again the Cratchits are very horny as well. Wait, um, what? Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Cratchit. They're pretty horny. Oh, well, that's just Miss Piggy is horny for Kermit. Yeah. It just feels weird because it's like, oh, look at this poor, poor family who want to fuck. That's fair. And here's a bad song. So we're just going to skip past that song because it sucks. And I'm going to say something I do like, which is how they make the hair on the Muppet for the Spirit of Christmas present turn old. Yeah, and it's like slightly grayed and then it eventually is fully white and it's just good. Yeah, I think, however, that again, with the biting criticism, I don't think that the ghost of Christmas present is as harsh as he could be because Scrooge asks, 
will Tiny Tim die? And the ghost of Christmas present says, well, I see a crutch in an empty chair. If what is happening is allowed to continue, he will die. And Scrooge says, please don't tell me he will die. That's sad. And the spirit says, well, then he best do it and decrease the surplus population. I don't think that the ghost of Christmas present in this version bites enough. I think you need to just pointedly, with no subtlety, say to Scrooge, you said this shitty ass thing, you motherfucker. I mean, the thing is, though, that's what he's doing. I think if he said, well, like you said, that, like, that's I, as far as I'd want it to go. No, no, no. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm saying just change the intention. I'm, I'm not saying, I don't think he's, I don't think he's saying it sternly enough. I, I think that they want this Ghost of Christmas present to be solely like, kind of a jolly fellow with a little bit of a tinge but like in the novella it is more like he is a jolly fellow until you think that you know better than the day or you know better than like what you're saying and then he will turn on you and be like there's a moment where scrooge says people who speak in your name want to close bakeries and butchers on sunday so that people won't have a meal you're taking food out of people's mouths And the spirit goes, men of the cloth are taking food out of people's mouths. Some people use my name to justify shitty things. Do not blame me. Blame the people. And like he is pointed. He says exactly what the Ghost of Christmas present says in the novella by just repeating the line, but not like getting too deep into it. It's the fact that he just kind of says it and being like, you did something bad, not You said something shitty. I mean, as someone who doesn't have much past with A Christmas Carol, that hit me. I still felt it was very impactful. Like, I haven't seen another production where that really struck me. But just the fact that this person that before this point, we don't see any of him being upset or angry since they cut the whole, like, some people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Misused I get me. You. So it just stands out a lot to me. Nope. Yeah, that's fair. I think the thing is, this will be a lot of people's first that they see. Yeah. Because most children, if they're going to watch one, are probably going to see the Muppet version. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the fact that I feel like it is part and parcel with my entire feelings about this needs to be more biting towards capitalism. And less just about Christmas. It's a part of it, but is it my only complaint? Okay. So the spirit dies. Yeah, because the progression goes scary spirit, great spirit, death. I respect it. I like that Scrooge goes, oh, you're dying? And he just goes, I'm the present. When the day is done, when Christmas Day is done, I'm dead. We see the film slowly turn and it's like, it's not happy times no more. It's Ghost of Christmas yet to come. Always a spooky. It's where the novella is its spookiest. And what I love is Gonzo and Rizzo go, this is too scary for us. We're going to leave. We'll see you at the finale, everyone. Bye-bye.
And I love that because it is taking something that we have had with us this whole time. It is something that we were able to stabilize ourselves with is that there's a narrator, they make jokes, they're having fun, and they've abandoned you. Granted, I also think that this is also one of the weakest parts. It starts out with being like, oh, some guy died and we all took his things and oh, look at this, I'm gonna sell it and oh, this is a thing that I stole from this dead guy. And Scrooge is going, what? A dead guy? No one liked him? In London? What? Who? I'd never guess it was me. What? And it's so dumb. I feel like he should know. I want to say, when I meant I think this is one of the weaker parts, I also mean in the novella. Because in the novella, it's also like this, where Scrooge spends all the time being like... I just realized that everyone hates me because I'm a dick, and now they're saying that there's a dick everyone hates? Who could it be? Yeah, we get it. And I think it's supposed to be that he's in denial about it, but it never comes off that way, so I can't even say that. What I can say, though, is this spirit is a tall, thick boy. My only problem is he looks kind of plasticky. Okay, if you look at the shape of this spirit, his neck is so long, it terrifies me to think of what the skeleton actually looks like without the robes. Yeah. Once again... They have gone back to very scary Muppets. I don't like, again, how it doesn't look like he's really wearing robes. I think he's too thick-based. Well, because they don't flow. He's the opposite of the... He's hard and rigid. Ghost of Christmas past. Yeah. And, and and I'm not saying I want them the same. It's but just not realistic. I it, It's the one that I feel like you should go the most abstract with. As an adaptation, most Christmas carols do something a little bit different with this one. Like, he's either complete shadows on the wall, pointing the way, because he's silent. He's always silent. But I think that this is a little bit too safe. I think they played it a little bit too safe. I agree with the spooky skeleton underneath probably being a terrifying skeleton, but that's just the idea of a thing. I think that that's reading a lot into it, which I'm not faulting you for. Because you look at him and you think of, oh, what does that robe contain? And I look at it and I go, that robe contains nothing because it's a fucking Muppet. There's a person in there piloting it. So I just want to say something about my mental progression in this scene, the little ride that I went on for a brief second. Yeah. Because while Scrooge is doing his whole... What? Who could this asshole be? I was like, well, obviously it's you. It's not like it's fucking Tiny Tim. Cut to five seconds later when they're like, also Tiny Tim died. Yeah, I think that Tiny Tim's death is super effective always. I know I was complaining before about how it's an easy thing, but like, it's easy because it gets you. Yeah, watching parents grieve their small child is never not going to be sad. Don't make Kermit sad. That's another thing. Kermit's like, Heidi ho it's Kermit D. Frog here. And then here's like, oh, Tim, we we put him where he can see the dock so we can... I can't... Megan, you have to say it. I can't do it. We put him where he can see the ducks. He likes ducks. Yeah, when it's like sad Kermit, it's like, oh, no. And Miss Piggy, who's usually like bombastic from what I can tell, is just like, yeah, 
And like, that's it? <laughs> yeah, and it's so disturbing. And Scrooge asked to see some tenderness associated with death. So in the novella, he first asked the spirit, show me some tenderness associated with this man's death. And then what they don't show in the Muppet Christmas Carol is the spirit takes him to a couple who's like, we can't make our mortgage payments. And then the husband comes in and he says, good news, he's dead. Oh my God, what? We have a chance to get the money together. Hooray! Oh my God. I absolutely love it because, <gasps> because he asked to see some tenderness and it's... You're like, yeah, some people are happy you're dead. You're right. Yes. Some people have hope now because you're gone. And then he has to reword it and be like, show me tenderness associated with any part of this future. And they're just like, oh, okay. Well, Tiny Tim's dead and his family loved him a lot. Yep. Jesus. <laughs> this spirit's a fucker. Yeah. Personally, I think that both the past and the future They're are, sassy bitches. Yeah, they're sassy bitches. <laughs> He'll say, like, don't show me this past. And they'll be like, okay, oink. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go. And so we get the standard thing where we go to the graveyard. And it's like, whose tombstone is that? And the spirit's like, Points to the tomb, like, why don't you go read it? And he's like, who could it be? Who could it be? Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm a crying old man. And I go, don't cry, old man. Like, I don't, it's not affecting me as much as Christmas past crying old man did. But like, I still don't like to see an old man cry. And so then he promises to keep Christmas every day, even when it's not Christmas. He'll keep the past, present, and future in his heart. And then he grabs at the spirit's robe. And we do a pretty nice transition to him in bed holding his bed curtains. He's back. And he's happy. I don't care what day it is. I'm here. I always think that this is confusing, Megan. Yeah. Because the way that they describe how the spirits will come to him is... The first one will come on 1 a.m. the first night. The second will come at 2 a.m. the second night. Oh, wait, really? Yes. And the third will come at 3 a.m. the third night. It's implied that three nights will pass. But then it's all in one night. But then it's all in one night. Oh, because I guess they mean there will be a whole day of you with the spirit. Yes. But like that actually in real life only takes one hour. Yes. Weird. It is weird. It makes for some confusing time stuff which makes sense then why scrooge comes back and is like quick bunny my lad what day is it and bean bunny's like it's christmas day and not a english accent because bean bunny doesn't have one and michael kane scrooge goes yay the spirits oh i was haunted all night and oh the spirits were right and they took me places and i saw my own death and everyone died and they were all happy And Bunny goes, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I always do like the kid being like, uh, okay, old guy shouting out of his window. Scrooge is always like, boy, get to the butcher, get the prize turkey in the window. But in this version, Bean Bunny's like, wow, that's twice as big as me. And I'm like, that's not that big. That's a tiny turkey. That's like a chicken. Yeah. It's a regular chicken. If it is a wayfish Victorian boy, Double that size is still pretty big. That's huge. But when it's Bean Bunny, no, it's small. And so 
you know, Scrooge comes out of his house. He's all happy. He's wishing Merry Christmas to everyone. And Gonzo and Rizzo are like, wow, see, Scrooge has a new lease on life. And then Scrooge is like, Merry Christmas to them. And I go, I thought they were narrator. Yeah, they're... They're they're, there? They're semi-diegetic, Megan. All this time. In addition to saying Merry Christmas to everyone, he comes across Bunsen and Beaker. Beaker! And he goes up to them. And Megan, they are shocked to see how happy he is. And Scrooge promises them a donation. It's in the novella and all adaptations that he whispers an amount of money in his ear, which I like because... It means that it doesn't... It can age through time and you don't need to change it. Yes. Yeah. Because if he said like... Oh, Five pence. Yeah, if he's like $10,000, $10,000 can fluctuate in amount. But if it's just a whisper, you could be like, he gave up so much money. His mortal soul? He just says like, yes, and there are many, many back payments included in that. I should have been giving this whole time. It's pretty nice. But you know what's nicer? A nice little tiny red scarf from Beaker. Made me cry. I love Beaky, my boy. Okay, so yeah, it is a nice tender moment. They slow things down. Beaker just looks at him, is thankful for the donation, and just goes, me, 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 and takes off his own scarf and gives it to Scrooge, which also gives him his first splash of color in his wardrobe. And it's just really nice. And Beaker's good, and it made me cry. You said that they're surprised by how jovial he is. They're not surprised enough, is what I'm going to say. Also, no one is surprised on the streets. They're all just like, oh, Scrooge, yeah, Merry Christmas, buddy. Hey, good old friend. Yeah, I think this adaptation does a poor job doing this. Everyone should be like, what the hell? What is going on? Oh, man. At least Fred is confused as hell. Which I like. What I don't like, though, is Fred is only given, like, two-second scene where Scrooge comes and is like, Here's gifts in the middle of my song! Bad. In the novella, he goes sheepishly to Fred's door, and Fred's servant answers it, and Scrooge has to sheepishly say, I've come to see my nephew. Can I stay for Christmas? Well, see, this is the same thing where this adaptation throughout it has really cut out and ignored the fact that Fred is his only relative. Yes. So, like, making him important at the end wouldn't make sense. Yeah. But he just kind of should have been more important from the beginning. He also gives gifts to Fozziewig and his old headmaster who are in an old folks home. How are they still alive? It makes no sense at all, Megan. Marley and Marley are dead. Why aren't they dead? They should be dead. Michael Caine is old as balls, comparatively. And not to mention, Marley and Marley were younger than the schoolmaster and Fezziwick, and they ended up as old men. These guys are ancient. Yes! We should say that this is another song that he's singing. It's a nice song. literally forgot that there's a song here. It's just a nice song. It's middle of the pack for this movie. I believe you. And, uh, he... Goes to Bob Cratchit's house, makes everyone hide. He does this whole thing where he... Where were you? Why aren't you at work? Um, Mr. Scrooge. You gave me the day off. You said it was Christmas. 
And he says, well, I'll not have it anymore, and I'm going to... And then Miss Piggy comes in, he's like, and I'm gonna bite your ass off. Yeah, basically, <laughs> she just, like, threatens him, and he says, raise your salary. Oh, well, if you're gonna what? And they, they all have a happy Christmas. I brought you an uncooked turkey that you now have to prepare. Yes. But now it's ready, and we're all gonna eat it suddenly. And there's 30 of us in your house without any prior warning that I'm going to invite 30 people to your house with one small turkey. And Gonzo wraps it up, goes, and to Tiny Tim, who did not die. I sure hope he eventually did. Nope, he's immortal now. Wow. Scrooge bought him immortality. (gasps) They say that he was as good as a friend and a master as any person and kept Christmas alive more than anyone. And as Tiny Tim exclaimed, God bless us, everyone. That's it. We did it. Here's my ending thoughts. Okay. There are too many songs that aren't good. Yep. Other than that, I think it's incredibly creative, which I think is a thing that the Muppets typically is, but I'm just not used to watching The Muppets. I love this movie. It is a childhood movie of mine. I think it's great. I don't like half the songs. I think it's a shitty adaptation of the work, but I love The Muppets, and so I love this movie. I think that I have something that Charles Dickens would say about this movie. Yeah. He would say, even with all the issues that he might have with it, I shall love it as long as I live. Nice. Thank you, Megan. Yeah. So, Megan, what would you rate The Muppet Christmas Carol? I would rate it two Marleys out of three spirits that I all just call spirit in my notes with no differentiation. Marquez, what would you rate The Muppet Christmas Carol? Because I love The Muppets and I love this movie, I will rate it three songs out of six that were in this movie. Marley and Marley, the beginning Scrooge song, and It Feels Like Christmas. And with that, Megan, I think, as were the rules of the Christmas portal, having watched and analyzed the Muppet Christmas Carol. We have saved Christmas for this year. Hooray! Huzzah! Yay! Oh, we're being pulled out of the portal, Megan! Uh, I really uh. hope there's Shakespeare on the other side. <gasps> Megan, look! It's the complete works of William Shakespeare! Look! It's our folio! And by Folio, I mean the little crow that we have named Folio. Ah, thank you so much for listening to Avant Bard. If you liked what you listened to, please follow us on social media at Avant Bard Pod. And if you really liked what you heard here, please give us money at patreon.com slash Avant Bard Pod. And we will see you anon. 
Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlow. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod.